welcome from Amsterdam, and thanks for tuning in to a new episode of Game Consultant. Your host of today is Reinout. Hey, listen. Yeah. Um, about registration, sir. Yes. How many do you think you're getting? Ah, is that a registration? Oh, that's a... actually yes, it is. Yeah. So they are coming in. Yeah. <laughs> oh, how convenient! That sounded good, right? That's music to my ears. Every time I hear that, every time I hear that, I say "school." It is Wednesday, May the sixth. Welcome to Game Consultant, and today we have a full program. First of all, as you could hear, Nordic is getting registrations in. They are happy people. Nordic Game, it's an event, May 27th, 28th, and 29th. Great nominees, etc., etc. I'm talking to Jacob. Jacob giving an update about what's happening. Um, I can tell you he's going through memory lanes. Ah, oh, Jacob. Anyways, uh, Hendrik also is telling us more about European Games BizDev Gathering. It's a two-day long event. Uh, it's focused on supporting European game developers during these very, very challenging times. Already 300-plus registered, registered companies. And uh, so you can do the online pitching uh, meetings, uh, well, so much more. So he's telling about that. Um, in the meantime, I also have uh, Ian Scarf. He's telling more about uh, a European Union starts a venture capital uh, program uh, Horizon 2020 um, yeah obviously there is a lack of venture capital in Europe in fact there is a lack of investments in Europe that focuses on smaller companies early stage and projects let me see what I have more I have Xola I'm talking to their um, chief investment officer Dimitri um, he's telling a lot about Sola, and as they call themselves they are the video games business engine of the games industry and do we have more yes chris uh obviously with read things all about esports and um so let's get it started so first a last minute uh item i actually got it uh it was an email from edmar mendisabal and i hope i say it well edmar um I'm, I'm being challenged lately with the names. He sends me an email. He asked me if I'm doing well. Well, thank you. I'm doing well. And he was wondering if I would be interested or attending a free game industry Twitch event. And because of the COVID-19, all the recruiting events for graduating game developers have been canceled. So he has volunteered to help to produce a Twitch show this upcoming Friday, which is the 8th of May. Hosted by NVIDIA's Julian Hoge, if I'm saying the name right, right again, but I'll have the link on my blog and description. To help these game developers show and tell their final game projects and connect them uh, with industry professionals and recruiters. Julian will play eight games, including two VR titles, and interview the teams. Some teams are looking for a publisher too. So if you're a game publisher, hey, who knows? The games have been developed by groups of 12 for one year, 31 programmers, 25 artists, 39 designers, and 17 producers. So I have a link to the Eventbrite uh, page. 
Um, so it tells me a little bit more. It's May 8th and it starts actually 8.30 on the Friday the 8th. Um, can I tell a little bit more? No, the link is actually on my site, so you can find it. I did check um, uh, Julian and um, it says something uh, about the web series host for NVIDIA GeForce, host of the PC gaming YouTube channel NVIDIA GeForce. From its launch to today, it now boosts over 500,000 subscribers who tune in and watch in-depth discussions of cutting-edge computer hardware and graphic rendering technologies. So Julian knows what he's talking about. So um, I said a last-minute item that I uh, love to do. So um, if you're actually interested and you have some time, do me a favor and check out... Um, the Eventbrite uh, page on my blog. All right, Edmar, as promised. Let's continue. As I promised, updates about Nordic game. Nordic, May 27th to 26th. And um, I was trying to reach uh, Jacob yesterday, but um, not so responsive because he was going through memory lane and creating a video, right? <laughs> yeah, that's, that is so true. Uh, right now, yeah, first of all, we are, uh, we are working uh, as mad people to, uh, to achieve what we want with the, uh, with the Nordic Game Conference. It's in uh, 22 days now. And everything is on rails. You can see that our ticket sales are, are rising. There's a going. Everything is uh, heading towards this uh, this uh, end goal, which is the kickoff of the conference. But it also means that uh, there's uh, tons of work to do. And for me, yesterday, I uh, I'm in charge of the uh, Nordic Game Awards uh, as well as uh, all the other stuff I do. And the Nordic Game Awards is kind of a peculiar thing because it's a, it's the only award I think I'm aware of in the world that is actually um, restricted but united in a, in, a, in a weird sense that it's only the Nordic games uh, created in the Nordic um, countries that are awarded but it's not national it's regional so so it's what it, it's what is left of the old Nordic game program that actually started as a as, as a as a attempt to unite the Nordic countries and their um, and their um, game developers. So yeah. I'm quite proud of that. And then I started creating the videos for um, for the nominees and the intro for the show. It's gonna be a it's gonna be a live show on stage on 28th of May. Yeah, six o'clock in the evening. We have uh, we're, we're going to run it from our from our home built studio in Malmo. <laughs> <laughs> and we're gonna have a really nice host. Uh, I can I cannot reveal it yet, but I can I can say that she is really good at what she does. Um, and it's gonna be a celebration for, because uh, 2019 was a quite a year for uh, for games development in in the Nordic countries. Yeah. So cool. I was sitting there, and then I thought, okay, a, a nice kind of intro for that because we might have an, a lot of new uh, new people among our audience now that we are going online. So it might be like a good idea to do the intro of the awards, like a recap of the winners uh, from the very beginning when we, when we did the first one in 2007. 
And then I started looking at all these games that have been winning uh, up yep. until now, and I, 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 I got, I got lost in the, I got lost in time there. I just wanted to to go back and play them all, and and to read about them. All. And what happened to that studio that made that game back then in <laughs> that many many years ago in two thousand and eight? You know, yeah. um, so so that was a, an amazing journey. But I I kind of got got stuck in a in a time loop there. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, um, a lot of people. The, the Nordic is is the region where. Yeah, well, uh, I was reading an article. Uh, the constructor of Fun was uh, looking at 10 years of Supercell. And although yeah. three years of declining revenues, there is so much uh, potential there. And so they, they basically went through the whole company, what the focus uh, for the near future and the long future should be. But yeah, Supercell is one of those, those unicorns that... Um, came for, uh, forward. I mean, uh, you have other, you have so many fingers, software, <laughs> OVO, Mac, uh, Next Games. Uh, I'm forgetting something. Uh, whoever I'm forgetting, sorry, sorry. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, so that, that alone is, is, is already attractive for a lot of people just to register and, and, and yeah, uh, watch to some people. Well, first of all, uh, the, the live, um, social distancing uh um, opening and and then obviously also the the uh, the announcements of the awards but also something about panels are we are we able to say something about panels people that are going to talk about certain things or do we hold that for sunday no i mean we can hold up a little bit but but i i would love us to re relate to this um uh, talk we have not right now about the about the awards because uh because i a lot of uh, i've tried really hard to to uh to make as a coherent a program as possible for the you know for the live stream, and yeah. uh, and so there will be a lot of talks uh, from from uh, the nominated uh, games for the awards because yeah it's it's a logical thing I I think that you know you, if you've really achieved the game that has uh, been accolated like this and been nominated then you have you must have done something right yeah I want to hear it yeah exactly yeah so. Uh, so I've uh, I've uh, convinced a lot of the nominated uh, games to actually uh, or the developers obviously obviously yeah. to uh, to co to come to MT uh, Twenty or sit at home and do it remotely, but yeah. to uh, to to give talks about the games. So I could just mention you know a, a couple of them it will be uh, a, one of the Nordic Game of the Year nominees is uh, Baba is You. It's a Finnish game by Hempoli. Really, really uh, amazing game, I think. Um, they will be coming and giving a talk about uh, how they came up with that weird idea. Then we have uh, Lego, you know, the, the iPad game called Lego yeah. Builder's Journey. Yeah. Actually, one of the, I think, of, of one of the best takes on the Lego franchise so far in terms of actually building with bricks in, a, in another setting that, that you're used to physically. So yeah. they kind of a, it's kind of a puzzle layer uh, um, up, up, on top of you know building with the bricks, yeah. which I really like. So I also convinced uh, the CEO of that Danny Studio to uh, to give a talk just about that, how it is to work with the with the franchise and so forth. Yeah. Um, then obviously also one of the big winners from there was just a local uh, in Denmark, the Danish Game Award. And the game What the Golf? Have you tried that? <laughs> yeah, no. I mean, I, I've heard about golfing games, and and, and I tried once. Yeah, I, I maybe but, I should 
Yeah. But what the golf is a very different. Uh, <laughs> yeah, what the fuck golf the golf? <laughs> because you are not you're not only shooting a, a ball into the into the hole. You are you are you are shooting all kinds of weird weird stuff, even yourself. So it's kind of a comedic, a, a comedy game, a comedy golf game uh, on iPad and. Um, yeah. I had great fun with. It. Anyways, it 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 won a lot of awards uh, at the Danish Game Awards, and so it's you know it's also nominated for the Nordic Game Awards. And the CEO uh, Tim Garbers is also coming uh, to uh, the live stream channel to talk about how you infuse a comedy into your game yeah. and how difficult and challenging it actually is to make people laugh while playing. Cool. So that was Jacob with the update of Nordic Game. Nordic Game is an online event, May 27th, 28th and 29th. Um, I have the link to the website and registration page in the description and on the blog. So there you go. Um, next in line, uh, Hendrik. Hendrik is going to tell us more about the European Games Biz Dev Gathering. That should be exciting. Today I have Hendrik Lesser. Hendrik is very familiar with the gaming space and the gaming space is familiar with him. And he came on a brilliant idea. The European Games Biz Dev Gathering. And uh, it's a two-day long event. It's an online event, as you might imagine. Um, I was just discussing with him that we might actually see some things opening, but not big events. So happy to see that he's doing it online. 300 plus people or companies did already register. That is an awesome uh, number. So May 13th and 14th, it's uh, the European Games BizDev Gathering. Henrik, hello. Hello. <laughs> um, yeah, first of all, can you quickly say uh, what you do right now? Because you have this very interesting uh, title on LinkedIn. <laughs> You mean the boss mob, I guess. Um, <laughs> yeah. So it, it kind of reflects of who I am. So it's like I'm a hardcore gamer since I was four years old. So gaming uh, influenced who I am as a person and who I am as an entrepreneur. So I thought uh, the title boss mob makes most sense. Yeah. You know, for some of you familiar with the RCP family, yeah. we are basically a group of companies under this, what we call the mothership of RCP. So boss mob uh, makes more sense because there's also other uh, kind of mobs uh, in the system. And I do run this company now for 15 years. Yeah. Founded it in the basement. So it's kind of a classic from <laughs> uh, really, you know, uh, the cliches in gaming uh, to now uh, yeah. more than 10 st studios, a publishing unit, a gamification agency, a marketing agency, and so on through various countries in Europe. Yeah. And uh, one day you woke up and you thought like, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm not having a full schedule yet. I'm, I'm doing an event. Yes, um, that basically happened um, when I also thought about uh, some of my other duties. Um, on the one hand side, you know, obviously with the business side, uh, gaming is doing well so far, yeah. at least most of us in, in the core of the industry as a development and publishing. But what about the day after tomorrow yeah. when we really start to miss out on those GDC meetings and so on? Um, so this was, was born out of uh, a necessity for our own companies. 
yeah. then I looked at my other self, which is um, also a political one. So one of the roles I have on, in politics is being the president of the EGDF. That's the European Game Developer Federation, primarily representing game development studios, but also lots of publishers, self-publishing developers and so on, yeah. on a European scale. And I thought, you know, why not bring those uh, together yeah. and uh, make an event to offer it to way more people? And this is where the idea for EGBG was born. Yeah, May 13th to 14th, uh, register at egbg.au. Obviously, I have the link in my uh, description and, and blog. Anything you want to mention to game developers, why they should register and what they can expect? Sure. Um, it is a BizDev only event. So imagine every meeting you schedule with a publisher in the system as a pitch event. It's 13, yeah. 30 minutes uh, each. Um, what you make out of it is up to you. How many meetings you get is based on the profile you have in the system. So make sure that this looks nice, that you are clear on what you're looking for um, and what you offer. Yeah. And it's important. It's only for European developers because it's hosted by the EGDF. And we came up with this a couple of weeks ago. So we decided to focus. Um, so for, if you are a European game development studio, you can now meet up 80 publishers, which we are incredibly proud of to have. You know, it's ranging from the PlayStation Xboxes to Ubisoft EA, but also a lot of the, the smaller ones, uh, the more niche ones, um, basically more or less everybody you can think of. And I think now 25 different investment companies yeah. and the rest is uh, development studios obviously i think we reached 350 attendees today cool. uh, so let's see how many meetings in the end are happening but we are very happy with what's how's it going so far perfect so in uh, one and a half weeks am i saying that correctly on sunday it's mother's day that's the 10th i don't forget and then uh yeah so it's uh, it's in one and a half weeks yeah Yes, Wednesday, Thursday. Yeah. Um, it starts early at nine and goes to nine to also reflect the different time zones. So uh, we have participants on the publishing investment side, which are either uh, very much in the West or very yeah. much in the East. So we yeah. try to accommodate that through the nine to nine timings. Cool. All right. I, uh, I want to thank you for this. Um, uh, oh, one, one more question. You, you do it now once. It, knowing you, you might actually do it more often or next year or? Oh, yeah, but that, that's not decided yet. Uh, one of the first things was since we kind of ruled out uh, service providers for this one, as I said, to keep the focus. Yeah. Obviously, we're thinking about maybe also um, doing something for them because they are part of the industry too. Yeah. So that's an idea. Um, potentially doing this down the road again is an opportunity uh, potentially. But to be honest, this was born out of necessity and a crisis. Exactly. Let's see how that evolves. And then we will see what's happening because RCP uh, in that matter as the driving force. You know, we don't consider us um, too much as an event organizer. So let's see what happens. But EGDF is definitely, you know, pushing this uh, further because, you know, most of you would have not known what EGDF is so far. It's a very abstract in Brussels lobbying. So it's great and a great opportunity to do something tangible for the industry and also come a little bit out into the delight that people understand yeah. the work we're doing in Brussels. Cool.
Yeah, I just had uh, Ian Scarf uh, interview. There's a new fund, 80 billion, uh, but also uh, could be used by gaming companies. So um, it's um, it's an item that is after your interview. So, uh, but I'll send you a link. Maybe it's interesting. Sure. Cool. Thank you very much. You too. And yeah, thank you, Reinhard, yeah. uh, for the little discussion and the chance to promote the event even further and get it out there because it's really in the end for developers. Yeah. And I, I hope some of you hear this and. No, jump on board still and participate. I will push it a bit further. Thank you very much. <laughs> Have Thank a you, nice man. day. You too. Bye-bye. You too. Bye. Ciao. Thanks, Hendrik, for explaining about your event. And as said, you can actually check it out. Um, the European Games Business Gathering it's uh, May the 13th and the 14th, so uh, when you're listening to this, uh, it's in a week's time. And um, you go to register to egbg.au, and I have the link also on the website, in the blog, and in the description, so um, do register. COVID-19 and the gaming industry, it's um, challenging times. And um, I got in contact with Ian Scarf, and he was explaining to me that Horizon 2020 is the biggest European Union research and innovation program ever, with nearly 80 billion of funding available. Um, and also, gaming companies could apply. Uh, they're also looking at blockchain companies. Um, sort of grant funding up to two and a half million. If you then want to have equity, that goes up to 15 million. Um, I felt it was a good time to actually got a chat with Ian and let him explain how it works. Um, in the blog and in the description, I'll have his LinkedIn and his email address so you can contact him. I advise you to always use someone that is experienced to do all the paperwork. It's a small fee, but you know what? Uh, the chances of getting approved are so much bigger. So let's let's listen to Ian. Today, um, during COVID-19, um, a lot of gaming companies obviously deal with financial crisis. We've heard and talked to a few. Hey, but this might be a solution. Um, I got informed about Ian Scarf, and, and, and he's actually very, very well informed about European money, um, he's an independent expert at the European Commission. Um, so today I have him uh, in, the, in the episodes of um, Finance and Games. And uh, I was wondering, Ian, hello, can you, can yeah, you tell sure. us a bit more? I mean, it sounds really good if this was something that gaming companies could benefit from, right? Yes, that's right, yeah. So, so basically the fund, it's part of the European Union horizons. And it's a fund set up for, including gaming companies, it's, it's a fund set up to support uh, startups, projects, <laughs> excuse me, and SMEs within Europe and also in, UK, in the UK. The UK can only apply for the, for the, for the first round of funding, uh, but other, any other companies, including gaming ones out in, in, within Europe and 17 other countries, uh, can apply for the funding. The yeah. funding's the funding's the first round. Let's say is about it's from five hundred thousand euro up to two point five million euro, 
as a, as a, as a seed round, we call it, or a gift. You don't have to repay that money. It's a, it's a non-refundable grant. Uh, and, there's, and, there's, and, and like I said, gaming companies can apply. And then there's a further a 15 million equity investment for each company if they want to take that. If they don't, then it's, it's up to them. Yeah. Um, what I've done is I've partnered with my colleague in Switzerland, who's an EU grant expert, and he, can, he, he will do a free evaluation on each company to see if he thinks it might, might be suitable for the funding. And then if you get the green light from him, uh, then we can proceed and we can help companies with that funding. They, they have to prepare uh, a business plan and uh, documents for the EU. So it's an EU funding business plan, a financial plan, a special EU pitch. Uh, and then we can help them with all that. There's, there's a small fee, but we, we can help them with all that. And then we submit the application on, on their behalf. We register, register their company with the EU funding database. Uh, and then we work with them to um, to gain the, the funding, we, we of course take a, a small success fee. Yep. Um, but uh, but generally that's it. I mean, I can I can help them as well. I've, I've worked with a lot of gaming companies as part of my own incubator um, here in Europe. Yep. Um, so I can help them as an advisor or consultant as well afterwards. Um, we, we are very busy at the moment, as you said before, with the with the coronavirus and things like that. But um, but yeah, I, I would, I would, and, and and it's not a secret fund. It's it, it's available for anyone. No. it's a part of the EU. So if, if they don't want, if they don't want our help or our expertise, then they then they could just go go themselves to the EU. I mean, this is what we specialise in, so we can help them, and and that's what we we do very well. Yeah, because um, generally, generally that's it. Yeah, it's the Horizon 220, uh, which is called the Big European Union Research Innovation Program. That's a mouthful, 80 billion. Um, but I, uh, my advice is, um, it's 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 quite some documents that you need to prep. And um, I always say, if you have someone uh, that can help you, that has gone through all that processing of documents, which you have, then uh, it's worthwhile. So. Thank you very much, uh, Ian. What I'll do is I'll, I'll put a link, the PDF that you sent to me and also your LinkedIn and directly your Calendly um, link so that people can basically schedule calls with you 10 minutes, basically get a catch up. And, and if they are interested and you are interested, that you guys can um, go for you it. Could and also, you could also include my email address there. They might want to just send me an email first and I can have a look at, yeah. look at things. Yeah, uh, there's a lot of information on my LinkedIn profile as well that they can see links to the to the articles and things like that. So yeah, that, that would be great. Thank thank you very much for your time. Yeah, you too. And uh, yeah, keep us posted if anything comes comes by that is adjusted or whatsoever. But up till now, thank you very much cool. for creating the okay. time and uh, talk to you soon. Lovely, lovely. Thank you very much. You too. Bye. Ian. So last week, uh, Chris did actually send his item, uh, but it got stuck in his uh, outbox. So today we're going to broadcast it as it was Sunday. Uh, Reed thinks it's uh, it's an interesting item, and it's all about esports and a level up experience. That's uh, where you can find Chris Reed on LinkedIn. Chris without the H, so C R I S 
R E E D. Chris Reed, the Level Up Experience. So, guys, uh, listen up. Chris, come on in. Hey, guys, welcome back to another Rethinks. Hope everyone's staying safe and staying healthy. Another interesting week in esports. Um, I want to get right to this. So, I want to start with an article from the Esports Observer. This is by Tobias Sec. And it's titled Q1 2020's Most Impactful PC Games, COVID 19 Policies, Offseason, and a Rising Star. Um, this is a PC Games Impact Index of the you know, first quarter most relevant PC games. And basically what happens is they have an index score uh, for 15 titles. And I'm going to go through the top five real quick. Um, number one is, no, to no surprise, the League of Legends at 71. Number two, CSGO at 59. Three, Dota 2, 42. Four, Rainbow Six Siege, jumping four spots to 42. And Fortnite at number five at 23. Uh, there is a title that's not in the top five, which we'll talk about in just a second uh, in more detail here. But um, uh, the, so there's key indicators that they put together here um, to put this index together. So uh, the first of the six is monthly active PC players at a 30% weight, distributed winnings at 25%, esports hours watched at 20%, hours watched at 15%, concurrent streams at 5%, and number of tournaments at 5%. Just uh, real quick thoughts. I mean, obviously, League being number one, that's you know to no one's surprise. Uh, or CSGO being number two, Dota 2 being tier one, um, you know, obviously, there's no surprise. But Rainbow Six Siege popping up to be the uh, in the in tier one for the first time. It was really interesting. Uh, obviously, a lot of the viewership uh, was really skyrocketed since what Q Q3 Q4 last year. Um, so there's been just a lot of hype around it, a lot of content being produced around it. Just I kind of noticed that. Uh, so that's it's awesome for Rainbow Six Siege uh, for that pop into the first time in Tier 1. Um, but I really want to skip down. I, I want to skip down to the title came in at, at 7. And first, let me just say this. I, I, I'm, I'm not trying to sh throw shade at um, certain titles uh, or certain esports, right? I'm not trying to do that. I may come off that way, and I apologize if I do. Um, you know, let's just get into this. So at, at 13, it, it's Overwatch, and they dropped three spots. And now, based on this, based on this index, and look, this is just one quarter. It's one index. This isn't the end all, be all um, for everything. But Overwatch comes in with an index score of seven, <laughs> and League had seven, a seventy one rating, and then CS:GO fifty nine, and, and Dota two forty two, Rainbow Six Siege at forty two, right? And and here's Overwatch at seven. And the reason why am I bringing this up? Well, there's something called the Overwatch League. If you're if you follow esports uh, at all, you understand that that has been out what the, this what the third season, and the millions upon millions of dollars that's being pumped into this league, and for for Overwatch to be thirteenth on this index, and for it to not be a tier one esport, it it seems um, you know pretty baffling, and to anyone looking on the if you look on the outside if you don't follow you're like okay wait a minute there is a league with. Millions upon millions of dollars being invested in it. Uh, sponsors investing millions of dollars into it. And it's not a tier one eSport. Like, there should be a big question mark there. Um, and there's it has not been good from the news side of things and what's happening with the league as well. So this week, there is significant news, in my opinion. And, and, and look, I, I don't think it's getting enough press. I don't think it's being talked about enough. Again, let me say, I'm not trying to... You know, say you know, I'm just Overwatch needs to be destroyed and all this. You know, Overwatch. It, here's the thing: if the Overwatch League fails, 
that is not a good thing for the industry. I think most people would understand that, right? And there would be some some short-term ramifications. Um, sponsors getting burned, right, because of what's happened um, to the league that they have, they're pumping money into, right? And so there would be, I think, a short-term uh, pullback into other other metrics for other leagues and things like that. Um, but it could provide opportunity, which I could be here forever talking about that, looking from the investing side of getting and sponsors and getting involved in things like that and investors on the outside. Um, but for right now, the, the MVP of Overwatch has left. That's what I wanted to, uh, to talk about. And this is from dot esports, uh, from Aaron Alford. Uh, why Sinatra's departure is bad news for Overwatch league. Overwatch league players are losing their passion for the game is the subtitle. And, um, and Sinatra is leaving for Valorant, so the new, obviously, the new uh, FPS from Riot uh, coming out. And it's a game that's just in beta, which I'll get that in just a second. But this is just incredible. I mean, here's the thing. It's similar to, and I look, I know it's not the same. People are going to get mad at me, but it's, it's, like, it's like Patrick Mahomes leaving the NFL at the, top of it, at the top of his game, saying, okay, I'm out, and leaving the league. That's what it's like. So Sinatra was already, this is from Dottie Sports, but he was already the league MVP, 2019 World Cup champion, and Overwatch League Grand Finals champion. So someone at the top of their game, at the top of the league, everything going right for them, and then saying, okay, I'm out. There is, an, there is a huge problem with that. There's a huge problem with that. When there's a shift like that, and going to Valorant, which we talked about, obviously, the last couple weeks, some of the metrics side of, of things of what's happened, you know, it's in beta. It's, it's a game in beta. And to, so the, the layer of risk, when you look at kind of a risk assessment of this, so you're leaving the league at the very top, right? You're the MVP of the league. And then you're going to go into a title into any sport that is in beta that hasn't been established yet. Right? So you're going to take that extra risk. That's that all that layer of risk instead of staying in that in the Overwatch League, so for me that shows that there are significant significant issues that actually aren't even being you know mentioned at a scale that it should be, in my opinion. Um, so so look, I mean that that was that was uh, significant. Um, you've had uh, other things coming out about mental health around the players. The players have come out and said that uh, about burnout, which you know, like in business, we all can face burnout, obviously, um, and it's a mental health. Um, obviously, it, it crosses all in, all industries. And then to add to this, uh, just this came out yesterday, and this is from uh, the Esports Observer. This, excuse me, uh, this is from uh, .esports. Uh, but Toronto Defiant support Kellex retires from pro professional Overwatch. And in the statement on Twitter, he came out and said, after discussing this with my family and closest friends, I know I've made the right decision for myself. It feels like this great weight has been lifted off my shoulders. So, um, so look, again, if... Look, I think, obviously, people in the industry... <laughs> Not a popular opinion, but one of the, if potentially one of these leagues fail, if the Overwatch League fails, there's significant ramifications on the backside of that uh, in the shorter term. Now, longer term, like a decade plus, you know, I think that it would look a potential like a blip, right, in the industry. Um, but there's significant ramifications if if a, if a league fails. And what happens is it's just like in public markets when sea levels start leaving a company. Um, these, the canary and the coal mine effect, right? The cascading effect of one thing, one event, one thing leads to another. Um, you know, obviously this is just not good. Um, and I don't think there's enough people talking about it, I guess, on the, the potential negative effects of it. 
But I just I think that you know unless something changes, you know something in motion stays in motion. So unless something changes, I think just the negative trajectory will continue. So it, what you know if you come from like the public markets, you can kind of see Overwatch in, in, in some of these titles as, as stocks. So in, in each um, each title, you know, esports title, it can be a stock, right? And obviously, Overwatch has been in a de the decline for a while. And you know, everyone's saying like the answer to it, oh, it's Overwatch Two. Well, Overwatch Two isn't going to be coming out anytime soon. And then what happens between now and then? Like, you know, what, what is going to be the pivot? Like, what's going to happen that's going to change, um, you know, all the issues with it? And and then Valorant just, you know, the, the saying out there, and I didn't make this up, obviously, it's been around for a long time. But, you know, there are people are, the, the mantra is Overwatch has killed Overwatch. You know, Valorant hasn't killed Overwatch. Valorant is, you know, an option to go to now, right? And then you have Riot, who obviously knows exactly what they're doing. Uh, when it comes to what they've done with league over the years, so you kind of you have that that support, um, and so I don't. It, it's just it's it's something I wanted to talk about. I think that there's a lot of different um, there's a lot of different layers to it, and so we're just going to have to see what happens what happens to the league, uh, the changes that they're going to make, and I, th I think it, I think that's something that every everyone really needs to watch and pay attention to. So hopefully you enjoyed this this uh, this session a little bit different, um, not just you know definitely just kind of diving into uh, more deeper when it comes to leagues. And the one thing I want so let me just throw this out there as well is that um, as an investor you look at you look at volatility and you know I was thinking about this the other day and that you look at, a, at at investing in a team and you if you had to put like a beta on it so those that are market so if you put put a beta on it so 1.0 is the S&P 500 you know what is what is the beta of a team of an esports team who knows i i don't know is it 3x 4x 5x the beta of S&P 500 i have no idea what the volatility um you know metric attached to it would be but you can look you can just see just how volatile it can be and how things can shift very quickly um you know with player movement in the meta of the game and the community and stuff like that so um, yeah, obviously investors on the sidelines, they're looking at that. They're looking at um, the nuances and getting themselves educated around that before, you know, putting capital to work. Um, so it, it, I don't know. It, there's just so many different aspects to all this. It's really interesting to me. And, you know, for me, the other thing about me as well is that, you know, I don't, I'm from, I'm from outside, outside of, uh, outside of Louisville. And one of the things here, this is a horse racing country. And look, I don't have a horse in this race, you know. I can be completely objective here. I don't have a horse in this race. Um, for those that may know me, I, I'm more involved on the tech side of esports and gaming, um, tech infrastructure companies. That for me, I think longer term, like the tech infrastructure needs to be there, right? That that's even more, I guess, macro, uh, more consistent, right, than a potentially an individual team. So, I, and I, that could take forever to talk about. Um, but so, you know, not having a horse in the race a lot of times can give you perspective. So that's what I'm, I'm going to try to bring when it comes to looking at the teams, looking at um, just the uh, the different titles and how all that landscape kind of comes together. So hopefully you find value in this. Thank you so much for listening. I ran out. Thank you for the opportunity to do this. And we'll see you on the next one. Thank you, uh, Chris. Uh, good item. Um, I said the level of experience on LinkedIn. Do check them out. Um, we're going to uh, Dimitri Burskowski, and we'll talk about Xola. Xola is a company that is around the block already for a long time, but it keeps on reinventing themselves. As they call it right now, Xola is the video game business engine. Uh, their set of solutions will help you to improve operations and sell more. 
Well, that sounds like music in many, many game developers' ears, right? Today, I, uh, I put a company in a spotlight, and the company name is Xola. And um, actually, Justin Beerbaum, um, he put something online and he says, a game developers carnival. So if you expect a party, well, it's a, ver a fully virtual gaming industry event. And um, actually, the event is, uh, is actually coming up in, in May uh may 11th and 12th um but dimitri who uh i just got on the phone he's basically saying yeah guys you're too late full is full but hey there might be another one first of all uh the introduction dimitri bruskovsky and uh we discussed it i i came close so uh welcome dimitri uh and uh i say the name right correct <laughs> Yep, uh, absolutely. It's really, it's really hard to yeah. pronounce this, right? As I said, it's a, it's a Polish name coming from my grandfather <laughs> from Russia, so it's all mixed up. Yeah, <laughs> that's wonderful. I'm really happy well, to be at your um, podcast. You just uh, said you haven't updated your LinkedIn, but I happen to know your uh, chief investment officer. And what a lot of people maybe don't know is that um, the company has also an investment firm or a fund, uh, which we're also going to talk about. But first... Um, um, since the spotlight is on Xola, what should we know about Xola? I mean, when did it start and where are you guys? And, and yeah, be as, as thorough as you can be. <laughs> yep. <laughs> okay, thank you. Um, so it's always hard to define what we do when we do a lot of different things, right? So, and so we came with the descriptions. Uh, not so long ago, so that Exola is a video game business engine. And that business engine run on a set of tools, uh, products and solutions that help game developers, uh, publishers, and even platforms to operate and sell more yeah. games um, uh, globally. And uh, these tools um, helps uh, to solve complex problems of distribution, marketing, monetization uh, yeah. so with a focus on direct-to-consumer approach. So game developers, publishers, and even platforms can uh, increase their revenue, increase their audience, um, sales, and uh, uh, don't yeah. spend a lot on infrastructure stuff. So Excel started um, 15 years ago, and uh, so we start with a simple idea that uh, so we were focusing on online games at that time. Uh, so mostly PC, like browser and client base. And uh, these games were yeah. one of the first games which started to operate globally. And they had audience around the globe from uh, South America to uh, Southeastern Asia, from yeah. Russia to uh, Africa. And our idea was like, if we bring different payment methods uh, from different territories around the globe and unify them under one API, um, with uh, same reconciliation rules, uh, basically, like you don't need to chase uh, local payment options and ask them to do a payout. It will all come through a similar interface and will be uh, responsible for that. Uh, that would be a helpful tool for uh, with, yeah. uh, massive multiplayer online games. And from that, we developed into uh, what we are right now. We uh, moved into creating uh, 
complex uh, products and solutions to uh, acquire users, to manage them, to uh, do everything which is connected to transaction-based uh, things like subscriptions, for example, managing subscriptions. And just one example, uh, it's quite a complex thing if we're talking about uh, um, Anything which is uh, which needs to be developed, uh, so mm -hmm. you can do it uh, on your own. And a lot of larger publishers and platforms are doing that. Or you can uh, use uh, companies like us to uh, use software as a service tools. And uh, we, um, um, the idea then so we moved into that space. What uh, that's uh, yeah. our founder, uh, he's a gamer, and uh, he thought that uh, the more yeah. game developers we can make successful, yeah, the more true. games will be out there for gamers to play. And, uh, yeah, so yeah, and uh, we win only if uh, game developers win, so um, that's uh, yeah. our uh, business model as well. So, and uh, so, the idea on uh, the business engine is when you're thinking of like, hey, I got a game engine, which uh, will render with the editor and uh, everything you need to create the game. We uh, said, like we describe our uh, products and solutions as business engine engine as uh, these are the yeah. tools you need to activate. Yeah, because it's funny, uh, or funny, I, I read on the website, Xola is the video game business engine. Uh, <laughs> I had to read it two times, but yeah. it's like, okay, they have an engine. Oh, no, the business engine. So actually, you're, you're fuel, fueling up the game industry. And then I, I saw <clears throat> some, some global clients, and that's quite a list. Um, uh, Twitch, Steam, uh, PUBG, uh, Epic, Roblox, Ubisoft, Atari, Nexon. I mean, um, that sounds like a powerhouse uh, to me. And, and, um, I, I still sometimes hear like Sona. Yeah, I've heard about it, but it's 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 a large company. I, I mean, um, how many people are working there? More than two hundred, three hundred something. Um, yeah, it's more. Yeah. It's it's below three hundred. It's more than two hundred right now. So and this. Uh, it's, I thought that I was while I was describing it, I just figured out I was using almost like buzzwords and not went into the details. And uh, for um, no, 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 I don't understand that without going to our website. Probably, yeah, I'm just like, just if I can give you examples of what yeah. the tools oh, are, that it is. <laughs> I mean, to it's, it's, it's a gaming audience, uh, I what mean, we do. Um, like. um, so yeah, go into it. I love it. Uh, yeah, okay, yeah. Yeah, so, so one example is like, uh, so we, you as a developer can develop a, your own custom launcher and use it to uh, control your audience. Even when you launch your game on Steam, uh, you still uh, probably want to uh, know and uh, who is uh, who are your users. You want to retarget them. You want to talk to them directly and not ask Walt to yeah. do a uh, remarketing campaign. Uh, in this case, like a lot of companies has take to Ubisoft, they have their own, uh, Ubisoft mm -hmm. even have their own uh, platform, right? And others are creating their own launchers for the games. And that's what we do as well. So we provide, uh, so Launcher is a solution to uh, uh, launch, update, operate the game, talk to the consumers, uh, talk to the users directly, and to uh, upsell actually those other products uh, which you have as a developer or publisher. 
same are other tools like so login as uh, which is uh, focused on user segmentation and so keeping in compliance with all the regulatory issues for example if you need to uh, do a special check on the user age in south korea and limit the screen time it can be done for excel login hmm. you don't need to do it separately country by country um, same with like in-game store, which is uh, synchronizing between all different platforms and this uh, is a single source of truth of yeah. uh, player inventory. Um, and uh, some things, it's actually funny. So some of the products which we launched was, um, um, for me, for example, when we were uh, in development, I was thinking of uh, why we even do that. And this, uh, when uh, when it was launched, I just discovered that there is a. So I was I was wrong. Uh, their uh, business line which did that yeah. uh, was right, and they did the research right. And it, it's something which is uh, uh, valuable, and people are using it a lot. And one of the examples of such yeah. tools is uh, Site Builder, and it's like it's. It sounds as, as free. As it's a site builder. It allows you to really create real, yeah, yeah. It's like to create really fast uh, storefront page with an ad. If you want to sell directly, you can add as uh, there these tools. If you want to work, uh, for example, provide uh, the tools to influencers and to allow them to um, run. Uh, like promotion campaigns and uh, uh, do attribution, so you can do revenue share. You can also set up set up there. And I thought that there is a lot of uh, tools like that on this uh, web, right? So uh, yeah. from uh, Wix to Shopify, yeah. you can create your own website really fast. But <clears throat> essentially, and um, looks like it all goes to the question of core competency. So as a game developer, you probably have. Uh, C++ or C Sharp engineers, you have uh, people who are, you have artists, right? So you have uh, uh, designers, but uh, you probably mm -hmm. don't have mm -hmm. front-end engineers yeah. because you don't actually need them. So that's why, yeah, it's this tool just became... Really that's funny because it's, uh, when I look at it, it's, <clears throat> and yeah, it's, it's from, from origin, uh, a game developer and then, then I looked at, uh, at, at at what you're offering in in, in uh, monetization and launch. Uh, you call it a pay system, uh, all payments there, uh, a push system, reach more users. I see also that I see yeah partner network, user acquisition. Uh, you see anti fraud, fraud, uh, which is definitely an issue in, in in the industry. So all these things together, and then you have the launch. Uh, when you just said the site builder is there uh a single uh secure sign-on uh it's it's like all these things that xola has gone through since 2005 uh came together and and that made it that well you you consider yourself and a lot of developers do think so uh the business engine for the game industry that's correct yeah and we, we try not yeah. to, to describe ourselves as a platform and I know that a lot of people are using that word. We're not a platform, uh, so mostly because platform in general requires uh, you to use uh, either, uh, you cannot use, let's say you cannot use uh, the parts of the platform separately. So you cannot uh, just take something for, let's say, yeah. matchmaking and ignore everything else. 
Uh, so, so in our case, whatever we develop, it's more like uh, uh, blocks. They talk to each other, so they're connected, but uh, it's not a platform. You can, uh, from a uh, like a la carte menu, you can select whatever yeah. products uh, or solutions you need. And that's what larger publishers uh, are doing. So they don't use uh, all of the tools which Excel provide. They just yeah. select what uh, we do better than them. And if it's more valuable, yeah. For smaller, mid-sized developers and small developers, uh, they can get and they can use almost everything. And by doing that, uh, they would have the same uh, experience as larger publishers do. So essentially, we're providing... Uh, uh, so I would say uh, publishing as a service. It's 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 a bit strange description, but yeah, we uh, we are uh, giving the uh, tools which allow developers to yeah. be uh, self. Yeah, because I also saw that you uh, um, you have a sort of an, 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 an uh, well, you have a page. Uh, the 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 solar business engine is your hub within the solar publisher account, and then you can actually say. So I find that very cool, the stage. Well, I, I click, for example, on the pre-launch, uh, the monetization, premium, microtransactions, or subscriptions. So mm -hmm. microtransactions, for example, and then the platform, let's say mobile. And then I see under directly the uh, the things you offer, like a seamless store API, the Unreal Engine uh, SDK, and the new territories. Actually, it's pretty cool because um, mm -hmm. all these segments have the get started, so you can learn more, and then you can get started. And, and uh, so it's really the onboarding also into the publisher account goes goes like really smooth. It's 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 basically you define what you are, where where you're at with your game, and then you can see what Xola has to offer. Thank you. I mean, it's it, it's really cool that you uh, yeah. take a look at how it looks like how it works right now. So we were uh, yeah we were updating the flaws. That's awesome. <clears throat> I really I like this a lot. <laughs> Because normally um, you have to read help, it and then you yeah, get a help. PDF and, and it's like, oh, <laughs> uh, what Thank is you. it exactly that I need? You need an account executive and then you need to have, make an appointment. But I always say uh, there are lots of people and, you know, uh, small companies, uh, some guys, girls, whatever, sitting in one, well, not in one room these days, but let's say uh, they, they have a small office and, and, and on Saturday they're doing some extra work and, and they think a quarter to 12, it's almost midnight. Uh, we want to publish, we want to do something. And you need to be, you're going online and you need to find something. And if you would actually come to your site, it's awesome because I can actually say, okay, but I just said it's pre-launch microtransaction uh, mobile. And then I see exactly what I need and I can get started. Uh, I don't need you uh, as a team. Uh, yeah. That's once true. I'm in and then I need specific questions or someone will contact me, but it's, it, it's, I haven't seen that yet. Well, now I do. <laughs> um, uh, <laughs> thank you. It's, we, we, we work hard to launch that. And uh, Business Engine, it actually was just uh, announced and launched uh, two weeks ago. We were planning to do it during GDC, but uh, have to do it without uh, yeah. GDC. Uh, unfortunately, it's uh, due, uh, due to the events, what's going on in the world. But uh, what you'll be seeing in the future, uh, you would get uh, so-called uh, business engine cards it's more like ideas and suggestions uh, for you as a game developer so giving you an example uh, you set up uh, the pre-order page and uh, start uh, preparing the audience to its full release 
And uh, so next time you go to a uh, publisher account, or if you just download a business engine app on your phone, you would get a notification on and then uh, saying, hey, uh, so think of adding that and these features, which would probably increase uh, yeah. uh, your sales by 20%. Or um, your uh, localization, uh, or so like country distribution uh, and localization is not optimal for that kind of a game. You probably need to add uh, simplified Chinese, which yeah. will increase uh, your sales by 20%, et cetera, et cetera. So that's what we're building right now. So, um, and we're also inviting partners uh, to, because we're not, it's, it's impossible yeah. to create everything. It's impossible to develop everything. So we are, uh, um, inviting partners to participate in that if the tools are complementary and uh, can help developers. They also be featured in these uh, business engine updates. And this, uh, if, okay, if you need localization here, you can have us, um, yeah. partners who are doing and then et cetera, et cetera. When this is all there, um, you guys decided to uh, start a fund. A fund needs uh, needs money, uh, needs to invest. And um, so my question would be, how's the fund set up? Uh, obviously you're in charge and and, um, and and would you then invest in the people that sign up with you? Because yeah, I guess you can sort of see how they're doing, what they're doing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that was, idea. That was an, uh, yeah, it was original idea. So it's um, yeah. the first idea came a while ago and we, we, we were, um, looking at the how industries, uh, I mean, entertainment industry was underserved uh, yeah. with uh, venture capital, and one of the issues we figure out was that it's mostly because uh, everyone, not all, everyone, but classic VC is doing it the way they used to. They do it for private equity with. Uh, so when you invest in the company, when you're waiting for the next round, um, you yeah. uh, invest more in the next round. And basically, you're waiting for liquidity event for someone to buy you, buy your investment, buy a developer, or a developer um, goes public and uh, yeah. you got an IPO and everyone is happy. Yeah. And you know, yeah, it <laughs> yeah. happens rarely. Yeah. So, especially yeah. if it's a startup, and I've seen, uh, yeah, I've seen a lot of cases so like the companies which we which were approaching us, uh, and they're run by veterans sometimes, and but it's still the first uh, game they're developing right now, and uh, so when you're like casually asking about the source of finance, it's almost always yeah. uh, friends and family and some angel money. And uh, so the interesting thing about that, a lot of uh, that friend of family finance is done through safe notes. So promissory warrants of a future equity. Uh, and this is something which is, uh, which is always um, um, bothering saying like, hey, uh, safe event happens yeah. only if I mean, liquidity event yeah. happens only if the next round is happened. So if someone is uh, investing on round A or round B, or if someone is buying your company, but otherwise you're just having a uh, uh, future equity promise warrant, and that's yeah. it. You cannot get uh, a revenue share uh, under normal uh, circumstances. So. Um, 
what happens with your investment in that, that new video game company? There is a chance, of course, that they would develop something super uh, popular and they will be bought by someone. But in the majority of cases, even if it's a, a successful game and if they own money, there would be no buyer. It's not. It's different from equity finance. It's different from uh, classical startups. Uh, so uh, that's and that's that's one of the reasons why traditional VCs were staying away from video games. They invested from time to time, and everyone knows the success of uh, like companies like Riot Games and uh, even recent like. Uh, yeah. uh, Turning clubs were dauntless, uh, so they were heavy to be baked. Uh, but um, it's uh, still an exception. So we thought at that time, well, if we structure the deal same way as publishers do, so it will be project-based finance. And project-based finance is well known in DC industry, but more like private equity and uh, venture capital industry. But that it was mostly for like. I don't know, uh, natural resources like oil or maybe yeah. uh, entertainment in a different way, like movies. Uh, it's no, no one really at the time invested in this way into video games. We thought it would be something uh, nice. Uh, it looks like we, uh, it, it wasn't, not, it wasn't <laughs> it's not just us who thought that way. So yeah. there are more and more funds opening right now. Who are, who are following the same model. So like project-based finance, sometimes with equity option, but first of all, they want to get us yeah. uh, part of a top-line revenue. And in this way, they're not different from yeah, publishers that's... sometimes, but... Uh, yeah, you've, yeah, a publisher will sometimes them, right? give some money to, to, to uh, finish the product. Uh, because a lot of times developers knock on the door of the publisher. We came mm -hmm. so far and it's all looking good, and you know, and and we need X Y Z in terms of money. And then um, and, and then the publisher might say, okay, you know, um, we're helping you to to finalize the product, but also with some insights and and to optimize. And then we're publishing, and then we can recoup. But then in your case, it would mean you're not mm -hmm. recouping, but you could actually say, okay, this looks really good. You're working towards the second game. Now we might actually talk equity mm -hmm. in the company. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> That's right. Or we can just say like, yeah, it's, it's just project-based finance. So we're financing this game. Uh, if we think that the game developer yeah. doesn't actually yeah. need a publisher and can do it on their own, right? So uh, in, in this case, and it's it's not a case for, with a lot of developers. Sometimes it's really hard to set up a publishing infrastructure, even if you're a successful game developer. So for talking about the fund, uh, we are not the only uh, general, it's set in a classic way. So we're not the only general partner there. Uh, we're just one of three. Uh, second one is... Uh, um, the fund is called Joystick Ventures, and the uh, second partner is a uh, general partner from an investment firm uh, called Mountain Nazca. And uh, they had a fund, Altered Ventures, uh, specializing in uh, video games. We joined the forces with them, so we're together. The third partner yeah. is not announced yet, but it will be announced soon. And the fund is relatively small, so we have uh, investments are just just up to 1 million and we have a comfort zone as around half a million. And uh, at the same time, uh, while building the fund, uh, we created, uh, we came to AD and we created something which you uh, heard about and probably uh, talked with Justin Birnbaum already, yeah. uh, which is called Exola Funding Club. 
and that's really interesting initiative. So while talking to different uh, potential limited partners, as uh, either from family offices or uh, other funds, we figure out that, of course, a lot of them don't do fund of uh, fund uh, fund of other funds, so they don't invest into other people's funds. Uh, and uh, but everyone is uh, eager to discuss co-investment opportunities and have some kind of a platform or tool to communicate, to collaborate, and to uh, work together. And we came with the idea of a funding club, so which is a simple matchmaking tool so we as, as we see a lot of developers coming through our uh, products and solutions and we before all these things with the stay at home happened for example last year we were at 49 different trade shows so it's almost one trade show per week so we met a lot of game developers and this, uh, it's the same approach as we discussed earlier with the business engines. So when we just collect information and ask game developers, hey, are you looking for uh, finance? Yeah. Do you need money to finish your game or to launch your game? And what stage you are and what platform you're developing for? And then we invite uh, different uh, investors and we also have several publishers uh, but the majority of the investors are like seasonal investors who are either investing in video games only or video games are just one of the verticals for them and we ask investors as well what kind of games we're looking for and then we just match make them and like we do the simple um evaluation of a game so everything is in place pictures there uh, where is it if uh, uh, vertical slices needed, it's present and it's playable. And then we just uh, introduce game developers to investors and uh, the rest is uh, up to them directly. We don't charge for them, it's a free uh, tool for uh, both sides. And uh, our skin in the game is our venture fund. So if, uh, sometimes we can just approach the same investors yeah. and saying, hey, we like that game, we want to co-invest. That's how we, yeah, we, that's how we get money from that. But um, this is an interesting idea. So, like, uh, it's all walks back on the concept of uh, helping developers to be successful. And uh, as I mentioned before, if we win, we also win. That's uh, yeah. how it was. And then, why it was obviously, uh, the part where I thought, like, hey, interesting, you guys now come with a carnival, not a party. But a virtual gaming industry event. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's, all, it's so. almost like a party. Did, did, did this come up actually? Because would would, would it, no? Actually, I think it came up because there is a, a, a sort of a lockdown, and there are no events, and and, and you guys wanted to do it online. Um, but then the, mm -hmm. the question comes up mm -hmm. right away: Is this maybe also something for the future that? appears maybe offline or oh maybe i'll tell you straight how it was how it's happened and how we came with the idea i was actually the one who came with the idea of a carnival so, so we were sitting uh a week before gdc uh was officially cancelled we were yeah. sitting together uh actually it's a funny there was a call, so I don't think anyone was at the office at that time. So it was a way before we all moved to Zoom. <laughs> we were on Google Hangouts, yeah, yeah and we were um, 
having a conference call discussing. Uh, we saw that a lot of companies, a lot of publishers and developers uh, start announcing that they're not participating in the GDC. And we were supporting GDC unconditionally. So our basically we were we we didn't pull out and we were uh, expecting to participate in GDC if the event happens. So and uh, so we always and, uh, so we are supporting. Uh, yesterday, uh, so not yes, last week it was announced that uh, GDC two in August would be digital only, as yeah. almost everyone expected. Uh, but hopefully we'll be GDC in, uh, in San Francisco in Moscone next year, and we'll we'll we will definitely be there. But at that time, yeah. we were looking in discussion like, hey, what should we do? Like, sh uh, what should we do in offline uh, during GDC? Uh, and talking about alternatives, uh, what would happen if GDC is canceled? So, yeah. um, and we started to brainstorming and thinking of what people really like about GDC. So we figure out that if GDC is canceled and all the other major trader shows are canceled, there would be uh, alternatives. So there would be online conferences and uh, you can do business through LinkedIn, right? So you can uh, yeah. do the same matchmaking and meet people and discuss. So when uh, we thought, what is fun about GDC? Why people go there? So obviously you got sessions and seminars you got uh, interesting people whom you want to hear. You got speakers and keynotes. This would all move to online. Now that's easy. It's not a big deal. But the actual thing you're missing is interaction, networking. So when you're having fun uh, during the show or after, so when you're drinking tea with your colleagues, uh, that's or friends or just people who you met, right? So, yeah. um, so, so under tea, I mean adult beverages and not only. Yeah, <laughs> whatever fluid. Yeah, 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 whatever, yeah. whatever people are doing uh, if they don't. Uh, anyway, um, and uh, so we thought that this part is really hard to recreate. So all the conferences would go to straight business format or it would be just you sitting in front of the computer and listening for people talking. Um, so, and we, early in the days, we invest into the game, as, uh, which is called Your World. And it's an interesting project, more like an experiment. It's a virtual theme park. Uh, so, and it's built on top of Unreal Engine with uh, it's really a um, complex editor to create your own theme parks and adding different gameplay mechanics. So we thought, okay, and that's this game is like it's it's not released yet. It's in early, it's in pre-alpha stage. But we talked to the developers and saying, hey, what if we create a conference there? And as it the game was initially created to build theme parks and different worlds, it's more like a platform to create our type of games there. So uh, the idea of Carnival came up naturally. So if you're creating a conference. Uh, in this uh, virtual world, why it should be boring conference with um, same halls and everything. It might be something which is completely different. Think what would happen if uh, game developers with, with came to some kind of uh, global industry event, which happens during a summer carnival, like 
and with all the rides and the goal karting and the uh, carnival games and basically came to a fairground, right? And uh, uh, it clicked like, wow, well, so we can bring fun into that. So it's not just about um, uh, developers. We wanted to help them to build uh, sustainable game business, right? But and that sustainable game business includes us networking and meeting the right people. But what we want to do to, to do this in a fun environment, and that's how it's all clicked together. Yeah, and it has gone well uh, because what I understood from you before we started to record, um, it's uh, it's full. Yep, it's we have seventy-two exhibitors right now, and uh, so the list for attendees we uh, stopped accepting new attendees, and yeah. uh, it's mostly because it's still an experiment. So, yeah. so uh, we'll we'll see and we learn on, on the will we'll definitely will be mistakes and we learn these mistakes and figure out what to do next. Uh, we are planning next carnival, which would happen uh, with the support of our Korean office. It will uh, be run as uh, we will be uh, focusing on this, uh, Korean, uh, Chinese, uh, Japanese, and Southeast Asian market. Uh, yeah. So we'll see. Uh, so it would be different in a way of uh, how uh, this event is going. So we will be probably adding uh, things like. Um, speakers and ability to uh, have a sessions where not just networking and meetings, but uh, we're still uh, figuring out what this event is about and uh, how we can uh, uh, build on top of that. The interesting yeah. thing is that uh, after the announcement, basically during the first day of announcement, uh, so we start looking into the people who registered um, as exhibitors and as attendees and saw so many familiar faces from uh, um, event industry. So I I would like, I would prefer not to name them, but uh, think of this large global worldwide events and festivals, not in gaming, actually. It's like in our completely different verticals. And people who are event managers or who are responsible for uh, these events, they either reached us directly and start talking or uh, they registered as attendees to see uh, what we're doing. And it looks like everyone in the event industry, and we talked with uh, several large organizers, both in Europe and US, they're looking for a way how to uh, change that. And yeah. you've seen uh, so what was happening in Fortnite. And uh, it's something which is, it's the right is changing in a way. So it's probably the event industry would change. So, yeah. yeah. And a good thing, uh, I saw that 100% of the proceeds go towards uh, any developers that had Losses, financial burdens, uh, burdens uh, because of conferences that got cancelled. That's correct, but it's like the event is free anyway for exhibitors yeah. and for uh, attendees. Uh, the game developer carnival is free, so um, anyone who, we we just suggested that if you want to donate uh, here, you can do it. You will get a first uh, pre 
uh, early access uh, for the for your world when it will be released as a complementary, but all the proceedings will go to uh, the fund as, uh, which was created uh, not by us but by our friends and colleagues uh, yeah. right after GGC was cancelled. So, so it, yeah. for a lot of uh, smaller game developers, they were unable to uh, get refunds, and they already spent a uh, fortune on buying tickets and. Uh, uh, trying to look uh, for cheaper, yeah. cheaper hotels and not booking them, uh, like well, booking them on uh, non-refundables, uh, yeah. and yeah, it's 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 a sad situation. Sad. So yeah, yeah. Um, and nice that you guys are actually matching it also because it's it's a it's a GDC relief fund pack. Yep, and uh, so people can donate. Uh, I think it's twenty dollars or something, and then uh, Xola is actually matching hundred percent, which is awesome. Yeah, it's it's something which, as as I said, as I said, we we can give back to the community and to uh, people who are supporting uh, uh, that. And if you uh, check with uh, GDC relief fund, so they would uh, there are more than hundred participants there, so yeah. who are uh, donating to. Um, help um, indie game developers to um, get uh, their expenses back and current situation is all is also uh, hard if you are if you're focusing on finding a publisher or talking to the press during uh, one of the larger industry events and there's there are no events uh, at all right now yeah um Coming to the last question, and it's it's something what is in the news lately a lot: uh, streaming, esports. Um, obviously, esports uh, events cancelled, so that's the dip in revenues for esports. Um, but what are you guys doing with esports? I, I saw actually a title coming by with someone within the company that was saying esports. Is is that on your radar? Is that something? Uh, is that going to be a topic for you guys? Um, so we have several tools, uh, I would say several solutions for um, companies who are in eSport business. Uh, we, uh, for example, we uh, setting up subscriptions for uh, game for teams. Uh, so for the, the owners of their eSport teams, so they can uh, create uh, packages for the users, for the fans, and uh, to, uh, so they can uh, get a premium subscription and uh, get something uh, valuable every month uh, from the team they're following up. And we have our products and solutions which are uh, focusing on this, uh, eSport and uh, we have uh, we historically we were working with Twitch, and this, uh, it's not directly, uh, but it, you know that the Twitch is uh, while building. It's a bit different story, but uh, I don't know if you noticed recently uh, that uh, a lot of DJs, for example, are using Twitch nowadays because yeah. uh, it's more reliable uh, than, let's say, Facebook Live. So yeah. they started to um, use the tools which were already there and which were created for a massive, massive uh, broadcasting. 
And uh, it appears that during this uh, stay at home and lockdown, that everything which was created for gaming uh, with things like eSport in mind, uh, it's um, some kind of future proof for our type of entertainment industry. So yeah. this, is, this is fascinating. So we, uh, so that's why like it's um, not answering your question directly, but just moving to a different topic because I thought about that. But it's something which is uh, which will definitely uh, be changing in the future. So we would see uh, probably as that uh, these tools would be adopted by a lot of other companies uh, in different um, in different businesses. I'm imagining yeah. that it's, it's um, you've seen the results, uh, and it's, it's a controversy. It's a, it's a big uh, talking point here in Los Angeles right now about the first three weeks of uh, video on demand uh, sales of uh, Trolls World Tour movie by Universal, and you yeah. probably heard about uh, how. Yeah. Hundred million uh, or something plus. Yeah, yeah. and the cinema chains, <laughs> uh, so two largest cinema chains, are trying to oppose them and to um, say that they would be, if the Universal would continue it in the future, they would be ignoring uh, Universal releases. Yeah. So, and it's like I, it's uh, not that hard to imagine that uh, you would, instead of creating your own infrastructure, you would use someone else's infrastructure, like uh, streaming a new TV show through Twitch, uh, in the yeah. same way as, as uh, Epic did uh, Astronomical with uh, Travis Scott, right? So it's, yeah. it's yeah. games are helping our industries uh, to succeed. And we are helping to be there. We are happy to be there and uh, yeah. to, to stay beside and to support. Yeah, so in any case, if, if any company that right now uh, you're helping with publishing uh, moves into esports, most likely um, uh, you might have tools available anyways for them to uh, to be successful. Yeah, that's, that's, that's correct. And so yeah. we, uh, we're also... Uh, it's esports. It's, it's really large topic to discuss. I think it would be just a separate yeah. Uh, yeah. one or several uh, talking shows about that. But uh, it is something like you, you can be uh, really positive about that, or you can be skeptical about esports in, uh, in a current state. But everyone would agree, even the people who are uh, strongly opposed over hype about uh, esports would agree that, well, uh, at some point in the future, this would be uh, a bigger than regular sport. And we don't know yeah. what kind of uh, sport it would be. I've seen uh, uh, many very interesting startups focusing on the future of sport with uh, having esports in mind. So uh, we don't know what would be and how we will be watching us in 50 years from now. Um, but yeah. um, I'm pretty sure that in 10 years from now, eSport will be bigger than it is uh, today. And yeah. Uh, yeah, you mentioned that events are canceled. That's true. But at the same time, um, it just uh, proves that current, currently eSport is trying to follow the same way, the same uh, approach as traditional sport. Because eSport should be the one uh, which would say, hey, and we are ready for stay-at-home, we are ready for online events, we are ready for virtual events more than anyone else. 
So yeah, yeah it's <laughs> we'll see how. I mean, um, I'm sure like the situation is what's going on right now in the world is uh, really terrible, but uh, this would uh, not help, but it would give suggestions, it would give new ideas, and we would see a lot of uh, startups and new products and this, uh, basically new things coming out of that in the future. Cool. Cool. Well, I um, it was really insightful uh, getting a sense of uh, of the company Xola and and what you guys are offering. And um, uh, I think it's uh, it's definitely interesting uh, for people to uh, to check it out. Um, I will have the links in uh, in my blog so uh, people can actually see uh, the publisher accounts, uh, how you can actually. Open the account, but also the solutions um, that we were talking about. Um, and uh, yeah, the very nice one that I think uh, that you can get started. Just select the details and uh, describe your game and, and off you go. I find it still very, uh, uh, I, f I find it really cool. Thank you very much uh, for uh, taking the time to explain me uh, about all of this. And um uh yeah keep me posted on on how it went with uh with the carnival absolutely yeah and we will be probably uh, we won't be broadcasting it it's in full because it's quite i mean it's not uh, event broadcast but we will be using our twitch channel to um, show something like the, how it starts and what's going on there so uh, feel free to if you're not an attendee or an exhibitor feel, feel free to follow yeah and i'll definitely update on this, uh, what we learned from that and this, uh, what we'll be doing in the future thank you for cool. inviting and uh, yes this, uh, message to everyone please stay safe and healthy and uh, we are uh, in the video games we're helping people to uh, get through these hard times so it's really nice you ended on the same message like Kate Edwards uh, did uh, that interview I have uh, broadcasted on Sunday and she also said uh, oh, one message and she said like uh, no it's not even broadcasted yet and, and she also <laughs> said we need to help each other and now you say exactly the same and I love that. It's it's oh, it's obvious we need. And I have yeah. I, I would love to hear Hill's uh, broadcast. I um, say hello next time you see her. Yeah, I will. Thank you very much. Yeah. <laughs> have a nice day. You so. too. Thank you. Bye. So that was all for today episode 24 on may the 6th uh thank you jacob from nordic game um chris with uh chris read things about esports we had henrik uh talking about the european games biz dev gathering which is if i say it right yeah the may the 13th and the 14th um, Ian Scarf, thank you for updating about potential investments or grants slash loans for gaming companies. And yeah, Dimitri, uh, really good to get to know more about Xola. Uh, awesome stuff. Anyways, everything is in the blog or in the description. Um, if you uh, would like to know more, you can always send me an email. It's reinhardtebraken at gmail.com. Um, also on LinkedIn, and otherwise go to my site, podcastgameconsultant.com. 
Thanks, guys. And as I always end it, ciao for now. This was all for today. Thanks so much for listening to Game Consultant. Tune in next week for a brand new episode. And remember, do share this podcast with other members of the games industry.